Um, <clears throat> I'd like to talk a little bit about your kind of journey through music because it's quite interesting. You've you've found most of your success in France. I think you live in France too. Is that right? Yeah. But yeah. Um, from what I've read, you started out making music for theatre productions in London. So how did you go from there to kind of you know reaching chart success in France and then eventually making this new album? Well, I'll try to try to be as sort of not too uh, verbose about this because I could I could drivel on for ages. But to, to, to try and summarise, when I was a teenager or kid, I wanted to be an actor. And um, but my I come from a musical family. My parents were both singers. My two brothers were musicians. My younger sister was learning piano at the same time as me and writing songs. And um, and then when I came to leave home, I want I really wanted to get out of the countryside in Suffolk uh, as soon as I did my GCSEs and go to London where my two brothers were. Um, but I was too young to do a decent acting course or an acting course that I sort of thought would be good enough. Um, and my brother had just finished a, a music course, so I did that instead and ended up being in music. And then when I left that two-year diploma course, um, I then got in a band with my brother and then learnt bass. And we played in a sort of rock band for three years. But by the end of that, when I left, I, I left because I felt like I was missing out on a big part of my, my desire to get into theatre. And so I left that. And strangely enough, a month later, um, I got a call from a director just randomly who had called up a rehearsal studio that I used to go to. And uh, he asked if there'd be any kind of um, anyone that would be suitable for composing. And it was it was the Almeida Theatre. I don't know if you know the Almeida, but it's quite a big theatre company in London. And, uh, and anyway, so I did that and I just got into writing theatre. And, and then that was like seven years. Uh, in fact, all my 20s were, were done write, writing theatre, music for theatre. But it was a lot of it was promenade theatre, which is finding like, like going to locations like der we did one in a derelict hospital in a derelict uh town hall and really random places and um and so yeah so i was just doing a lot of theater but at the same time i was still playing lots of in bands and especially with my brother's band he got signed to sony and then we recorded his first album at real world studios where i met peter gabriel and then and then i started i got friends with his his daughter and then i started doing my own music and i did these open mic nights and the first one that i did was in this collective called Raison d'être in London and they were as you can imagine very French and uh, they kept telling me you've got to go to France you've got to go to France so when I got my publishing deal with Peter Gabriel I then I then uh, decided to just do a sort of hobo tour I mean <laughs> funnily enough I'd written that song like a hobo and I was living in a little flat in, in London but like those months after writing and playing it all over London people would often say to me how's your hobo life I was like, well, it's not really a hobo life, but maybe I should do something about it. So I took the, mon the money from the advance and the publishing deal and went, went around Europe, um, through France, Italy and Spain with the money that I had uh, doing gigs all over the place. It was the days of MySpace where you open MySpace and then you have the gigs sort of logged. That's the first thing you see. And I realised that a lot of doing well was, was about making the illusion of doing well. So... If I looked like I was doing gigs all over Europe, it would look good in people's minds. And it worked for me, basically, because then when I went to Paris, I, I I was selling my little EPs and a French record label got um, got one. And, you know, they saw that I was going all over the place and it all looked quite good for me, really. And then they spoke to Real World 
about releasing as soon as possible. So we decided to launch my um, sort of um, recorded um, career in France. And then, and they went mental. Yeah, and then I guess things went well, and now you now you live there, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, the thing is, I didn't really intend to live here. Now, um, I just want. I just came to France in 2009 with the intention to learn French, but it actually became impossible because I was so busy uh, with so much success that, and everyone knew I was English, and that was the whole story. You know that, that they all just spoke to me in English, and well, learning. I mean, I'm a very, very, very slow learner academically. So um, <laughs> after two years of having being bombarded by French culture, uh, I then went to make my second album in in LA and I just saw this girl in the in a in a restaurant in an Italian restaurant she was outside I was inside and I finally approached her and asked to talk to her and turns out that she was from south of France Cancer-Mer and uh, and I was and that, which is where my band were from as well so it's just totally random and then and then she ended up coming on tour with me and then she's ended up being my wife and having kids and and then I ended up going on tour while she was in London and um but she she needed more family around so we decided to move back to south of france um let's talk about your new album as i am it's your fifth um your fifth album that you've put out yeah. uh, can you tell me a little bit about um what the process of making that album was like and how did it all come together what was kind of going through your head while you were writing those songs um the process the thing i was going through was that i i, I desperately needed a paradigm shift in my life i, I felt like i I felt like I was I was finding myself more unhappy about certain things in my life that I didn't want to be unhappy about and I certainly didn't want to share that that kind of disappointment with my kids you know I, I felt that I wanted to be a father who was and for my wife and in fact anyone who live, who lives um, around me you know anyone genuinely I just wanted to be someone that could inspire people and I didn't want to be someone that was had any disappointment um, <clears throat> so I needed a I needed a shift in perspective and what was the catalyst for that was the fact that since since adolescence, I had a, a really big back problem. Everyone knew me as you know Charlie and his bad back. It was like when I see friends or family, the first question they'd ask me is, "How's your back?" And because um, I was always in pain, and then and then from hobo onwards, I was on tour a lot, and I, and then I had a family, and I think all that pressure just created more exacerbated the problem. But I always said to myself during my 20s that when I've got the money, I'll, I'm going to try and find out the solution. So I did nearly every alternative therapy you can you can think of. I saw osteopaths, kinotherapists, physiotherapists. I did Pilates, yoga. I mean, I went through it all. And I, finally, in 2015, I got a CT spec scan, an X-ray of my entire back, which cost quite a lot of money. But I was like, I'm going to find out what the problem is. Only to be told by the neuro neurologist that there is no problem. My back was completely healthy, and so and he, and he prescribed a, a lifetime of painkillers. He actually did prescribe me a lifetime of painkillers to be taken three times a day, and it just wasn't didn't cut the mustard for me. So um, I um, then I got then I quit music because I couldn't imagine going back on tour with just so much pain, and uh, in in that time I got a double hernia in my back, and. Um, my friend, an old school friend, sent me a book written by a New York uh, doctor who spent his whole life stu studying the, the psychosomatic disorders. 
and I read those books and it was like reading me on every it was like my autobiography in fact and um then I called the psychotherapist that he he died that year but I called the psychotherapist he worked with and then I worked with him for nine months and after nine months I, I was completely free of pain and it completely transformed my life and so that got me onto a path of psychotherapy and realizing the only only way to manage my physical pain was to was to think psychologically not physically and uh, and that was really like a huge inspiration to my album really about changing paradigms looking at myself as I am observing you know how I am at every moment and trying to trying to be a um having enough awareness to sort of not react to everything that comes along and also be aware of my reactions internally as well. Sounds like a real journey that you went on there, then. Yeah, it was. And when, epic. And when did you and when did you realize right I want to get back to music now? What was it, what, what made you... Well, if I'm really really honest with you, there was an element of necessity because uh, you know, it's uh, I've got a family. I need to uh, I need to make money um, and put bread on the table, but it was it was also at the point where i realized that that wasn't really the that wasn't really the problem you know i had six months of not doing it at all and in my mind i completely was not going to be a musician again i grew up in a musical family and so i'd never really questioned it and i think it was a healthy it's like you know when you're in a relationship and you go through a really really dark moment but you come out the other side and you go okay that was horrible but it was really worth it because we learned something much deeper about you know our relationship and that's basically what happened to me really it just it, it, it forced me to ask questions that I'd never I just taken for granted because my parents were musicians and I grew up in a hotel with a musical family and blah 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 it was all very bohemian but I think until the moment where you sort of take it by the throat and say right do I actually want you in my life you know it's um it's not really your choice you know it's just a, a, a part of your programming and and that's, I think, what this album's all about. It's about confronting how I've been programmed and choosing what I don't and I do want. I mean, that's, everything that you've just described is kind of very personal to you and your experience, but there are, there are a couple of tracks on the album that you have brought other musicians in on, like you do um, kind of have some featuring vocalists. Yeah. Uh, what, what made you decide that you wanted to share those tracks and get other people involved? That's a good question. I like the way you put that question because no, no, no one would ask a question, no, ask it in that way, really, about sharing it. <clears throat> but I think part of the joy of music is about making it with other people, and so I decided to not get too protective about who, are, you know, about writing my songs and having them written by me, you know, and having that sense of ego around the music, and rather being quite open to the idea of, of just just throwing it out there and seeing what happens you know because it doesn't really matter where the ideas come from it's about how they're expressed and how they're interpreted uh so that was the that was the reason that was the main why behind it um and then secondly ibrahim malufi is a great trumpet player amazing musician and jazz jazz musician especially so it you know the fact that he wanted to do something with with me was quite uh, an honor and and then with VNA he was he produced the album and but I said you know it's it, it, from the very beginning I said to him it would be an obvious thing for us to do a big a big um, kind of radio track together but I don't want to do that because it just seems too premeditated and 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 pretentious and uh, I was happy for him to produce my album but I said look if something comes 
if something and he agreed we both said like if something seems obvious to do together we'll do it but nothing did and it was only at the very very end of the recording process that was the only track we hadn't recorded and and i'd sort of forgotten about it. we'd both forgotten about it i said like, you know i really want to do this track and uh the director of the label came in and listened to everything we'd recorded. And then I said, I'd love to do this track as well, but we haven't recorded it yet. So I played it and VNA just played the guitar with me and sang the backing vocals. And he said, that was amazing. Just do it like that. So we just did it like that. You get to Luxembourg on the 5th of December. Yeah. Uh, you've been you've been here before, haven't you? Have you yeah, played? like three or four times. Okay. More times. You have some, some good memories of past gigs here? Yeah, I, um, last time I was there, my sister uh, supported me, and that was really cool. She was she made she 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 did a great job with the crowd, and we sang my song "Boxes" together because she sang on my first album, that song with me. So that was a nice memory, and um, I really remember the very first gig that we did, and I don't remember the name of the venue, but you'd know it. It's like a sort of strange L shape. The the the. the venue it's like the stage i mean is an l shape and the bar is on the opposite side of the stage it's kind of got this sort of greenhouse vibe to it it's like an old i don't know i kind of had to explain it but maybe you don't know it um but the, the, the stage is definitely in an l shape which is very bizarre and i can always remember that and that was that was insane because it was like people were climbing over the walls to see the gig but of course that was when you know hobo was like high in the sky um but i've always had a good a, a good good feeling with the Luxembourgians and and it's it's just it's just great it's, it's kind of it's a very bizarre country because it's 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 um it's uh it is like got its own thing but it's also got there's a big influence of French and Belgium obviously between the two countries um you already said that you've got a new band touring with you but what can people expect from the show? Are you going to be playing mostly the new album or is it going to be a bit of a mix of old stuff and new stuff? I mean, I'm definitely going to play old stuff. Um, more of the well-known songs. There's a couple of lesser known songs, um, but that's depending on the listener. Uh, but obviously the fact that my album's 14 songs long, it's, I've got to play, you know, I've got to play that record. I want to play that record as well. Um, so we're playing mostly songs from the new album. Um, but it's really important to sort of dot through the show the other, the other well, more well-known songs. And um, the, I think I'm 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 quite I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a clown, you know. I like to be the clown on stage and just to disarm people and let remind them that they're there to be entertained. I'm a bit of a showman, so um, the thing for me is really important to have a, a good balance of. Funny, being funny and having a laugh, and 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 also a bit rock and roll. It's a bit rock and roll, my new band actually. We, 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 it's a little bit chaotic at moments, um, but it's also important to have moments of like calm and and like deep, like deep thought, deep reflections as well, and and sometimes sadness and anger, you know, and all that stuff tr thrown in for good measure. I think it's just to I try to exp I try to express on stage the gambit of being human. And do you think you'll enjoy it more now that you've kind of sorted out those problems that you had, like with your back? I think I will, yeah. I mean, I am already, yeah. I'm enjoying it. I think there's uh, many factors, but I think the main factor to enjoying it is just deciding to enjoy it. I think that's a, that's a, that's a lesson of life, really, to be honest. It's like, you can choose. It's just about a choice. I mean, being happy is not something you can chase. It's actually already there. There's nothing to chase because it's already 
available. You just got to choose it. Kind of the message of one of your songs on your album, isn't it? The letter. Um, letter yeah, from my yeah, that's that's kind of what I got from the lyrics of that song. That. Yeah, well, that's basically it. Letter from my future self was. I've often written letters to myself about what I want for the future, but I, I'd never written about like from what wise wise old Charlie on his deathbed would say to to this this numpty in his middle age. Um, and I think I think it was just about seeing having you know being able to see things in a, with a simple clarity, really. Uh, but it's so easy to forget every day. And, and it requires, sometimes simplicity takes, it takes a lot of complex thoughts to arrive at simplicity. And I think it's necessary to go through those complex thoughts. But uh, if you can arrive at simplicity at the end, you know, you come out of the, the tomato and you, you realise it's just one big red ball and not a complex mesh of, of yeah, different, different um, caves and whatnot, then, then actually it's a, good, it's, a good, it's a good resolution. Have. So, I mean, the album is still fresh, uh, kind of it only just come out and you've got, I'm sure, plenty of touring ahead to do, like, in support of the album, but what's next on the horizon for you and your music? <laughs> Lots of gigs. I, I, I've got like, I don't know, from, uh, I've got like 60 gigs left to do till April and then, and then it's going to get more, and it's going to keep going. I think I'm going to be doing like 100 gigs until next, next September. And then, um, and then on the horizon, well, I've got some other things up my sleeve, which I'm working on at the moment. I mean, I've already, things I've already written, and I just want to get them off the ground um, in a more art-based place. And also, my podcast is something that I'm really passionate about now. I, 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 as a way to promote my album in terms of, well, just explore it more, I've decided to create a podcast which... Uh, explores it through the questions I ask, but it diverts the attention towards other people and looking at them as they are, you know. Um, so uh, that's really interesting for me because one thing I, I think one thing I dislike about being a solo artist is that all the focus is constantly on you, and, and you know it's it gets very myopic. And I, I, I having grown up in theatre during my twenties, uh, what I loved about theatre and, li and living in London was just the variety of things that I used to do and how it was never about me. So it's that's I think that's I think that's what I want to do basically anyway. I mean, on stage with my band, I've told them and the lights man and sound man, you know, this is not a Charlie Winston show. It is a Charlie Winston show, but I have chosen you because you are an extension of me. So it's important that you get as much limelight as I do throughout the show, and it's really nice because. Sorry, I'm changing topics a bit, but what I love in these last sort of week of shows that we've done, I'm, I'm on stage and I'm looking at the audience and they're just not looking at me. I mean, they are. There are some that are looking at me, but I think like it's a really evenly balanced distribution of eye, eye um, usage, you know, and I'm finding all these people just looking at the bass player, the guitar player, and I'm loving that. I'm just loving that they're looking at an entity and not, a, not just one person. It sounds it sounds like it's uh it's a show that a lot of people will enjoy here in luxembourg and uh yeah we're looking forward to having you here on the 5th of december um i'll wrap things up there but thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today pleasure cheers tom thanks a lot when lost in the jungle love is a door in a kung fu hustle who you're gonna choose to lose to
a Roman emperor or a crown of thorns? Well, you made your bed, you're a big boy now, so how's it gonna play out? A little push and a pull and a rough and a tumble. A bittersweet pill that you just won't swallow. I believe, I believe there's a key to a castle. With an aching heart that's crying, stop, take time, think of it, slow down and look at what you've got, lost in the thick of it. Stop, rewind a little bit, who knows, you might go changing minds, shifting paradigms. Fish in a slow coach, stuck in your mind. Gonna eat your heart out one to the end of the universe. See the planet spinning out of time. There's a yearning, burning feeling you can't seal in somewhere there. A little push and a pull and a rough and a tumble. I barely sweep your things you just won't swallow. I believe there's a key to a castle With an aching heart that's crying Stop, take time and think of it Slow down and look at what you've got Last thing to think of it Stop, rewind a little bit Who knows, you might go changing minds Shifting paradigms Push and pull and rough and tumble A bittersweet pill that you just won't swallow I believe, I believe there's a key to a castle With an aching heart that's crying Stop, take time, think a bit Slow down and look at what you've got Lost in the thick of it Stop, rewind a little bit Who knows, it might go changing minds Shifting paradise. 